This is the good, the Baz, and the ugly. I'm the Baz. Well, that no, I'm Baz. That sounds weird if I were going around calling myself the Baz. Anyway, uh, look, this podcast is filled with uncensored interviews with experts in particular fields or real-life stories from people who have inspiring personal tales to tell. It covers various topics and life stories that I've really dug, you know what I mean? And I think you'll dig them too. Just so you know, this podcast is for grown-ups. It may contain adult themes, sexual references, and strong language. Fuck yeah! No, I just wanted to. Sheet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. Hold it now, wait, hold it. I know you're gonna dig this. I think the best thing for me to do is to introduce him. What the... What's his name? Baz Ashwami. It's not Baz Ashwami, it's Baz Ashmawi. Welcome. Welcome to the good, the Baz and the ugly. Welcome. Sorry, uh, someone got caught in my truck. Just was a, this is episode. Who gives a fuck? I don't know. It's series two, episode. I don't know. Sixteen. Sixteen. This is this the last one? Is this the last one in this season? Yeah. Get in. Sorry, it's like doing homework on the bus. Oh, happy days. Um, <laughs> uh, welcome to this episode. This episode is manifest this. Woo. Do you like that? Not to be confused yeah. with manifest which is a very popular and very colourful carnival on the Greek island of Mykonos pretty much every night. I've just I completely made that up. That's a good idea, though. I should go. Have you been to Mykonos? No. No, I haven't. Have I seen that. Beautiful. Let, hold on. Let me just check something here. Wait, there. Mykonos is home uh, to lots of Greek and European restaurants, but it's perhaps most famous for its Mediterranean cuisine. I find that hard to believe. That's not what I knew for. Um, fresh seafood and meza dining culture. Dishes unique to the island include kopanisti, which is a spicy cheese with an aromatic taste, which is made from thin slices of cooked spicy pork. That's, that's you fucked. You're not eating pork, are you, man? <laughs> <laughs> well, like... She's not eating anything at the moment. No, no, no. <laughs> that can't be the only description. Hold on, let me Google it. That can't be the only description of Mykonos. Mykonos is an island in the Cyclades, Cyclades group in the Aegean Sea. It's popularity known for its summer party atmosphere. Beaches such as Paradise and Super Paradise have bars that blare thumping music. Massive dance clubs attract world-renowned DJs. Listen, it's also, no one mentions it here, it's also the gayest place I've ever been in my entire life. Like, and I've been to Gay Pride in San Francisco. Uh, so stick that in your apple teeny. It's it's crazy. It's crazy good. Like it is. And I'm just saying it's wonderful. I've never seen so much neon glitter and penis in my life. It's a it's a crazy place. You should go, man. You'd love it. It's a great party. <laughs> uh, it is. It's a, just a great place that party. I'd say it is. I've heard it's brilliant. It's fantastic. But anyway, um, I've completely gone off track. What were we doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> manifestation, <laughs> manifestation, baby. Listen, this is what I, I wanted people to understand. It's not just some hokey pokey hippy dippy crap. It's not. It's not that at all. And there's also kind of some science in it that people don't get sometimes. So I said to John, 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 find me an expert. And John John family, Dr. Tara Swart, right, who's a neuroscientist, medical doctor, executive advisor and senior lecturer at MIT Sloan. Seriously. She's also the author of the bestseller, The Source, which has translations, I think, in 36 global territories. It's massive book. Massive. Um, Tara is passionate about spreading simple, pragmatic neuroscience based messages that change the way people live and work. 
She personally advises a small number of individuals. Um, she also is a speaker at major conferences globally. Tara is currently the chief science officer at Heights Neuroscience and Psychological Advisor to uh, to be magnetic and chief neuroscience officer at Arona International. Wow. Wow. There you go. We had, honestly, I, I just had the greatest chat with her because she's such a fascinating person and she's just brilliant and um, i loved it and uh, i know john john and mahi really enjoyed it as well and um, this is that chat tara how are you i'm good how are you baz i'm very well it's, i'm i see my family in egypt if it would would shoot me right now forever referring to a doctor as anything other than Dr. Tara, you know, they, they always introduce people as a, this is Dr. Mahmoud and this is Dr. Hala. And, you know, so they, they take that very seriously. I'm being very casual with you. You're a doctor um, in, and a neuroscientist. Is that right? So your parents would be even more cross with you because I'm actually a double doctor. So I'm a medical doctor and I have a PhD in neuroscience. So really... Baz, you should call me Dr. Dr. Tara. Dr. 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 Tara, where do we go? Well, Dr. Dr. Tara, for for us mere mortals down here, um, can you tell me uh, what a neuroscientist is? Can Can you explain that to me? Sure. So it's basically somebody who studies the brain and nervous system, mostly the central nervous system, which is the brain and spinal cord. But of course, we have nerves that go throughout our entire body. So it's kind of the whole system, but it's the nerve part. And then you specialize in what's known as neuroplasticity, which again, mere mortals like myself and John John and Mahi would be confused by that. What's neuroplasticity? I think it's really great that you've asked me to define that from the beginning, because sometimes I get so excited about it that I forget to say what it is. and I just talk about it and then people are like, what is that? So it's basically the ability of the brain and the nervous system to grow and change throughout our lives, including well into adulthood that we didn't, which we didn't think was possible up until about two decades ago. And because I did my PhD 25 years ago, we didn't have sophisticated scanning technology and we didn't know a whole lot much at all really about neuroplasticity, particularly in adulthood. So it's been a really exciting time to be a person and a scientist and understand how much you can learn, how much your brain changes, just depending on like who you hang out with and the memories that you recall and the emotions that you experience and everything. So yeah, I would say that neuroplasticity is the most exciting development in neuroscience in the last 20 years or so. Doctor, doctor, what gets, what gets you so excited? Like what, what avenue have you decided to go down that many others haven't? That's a brilliant question, but before I answer it, I think um, you can just call me Tara now because it sounds like you've got a stutter on it. I, I, I think you'd be doctor, doctor forever now, I'm afraid. You, you started this shit. No, I, I'm joking. So, but I know you have a very different attitude, Tara, what, to, to a mixture of science and, and a bit of spirituality nearly, isn't it? Yeah, thanks so much for bringing that up. I was actually um, called up by Nature, which is one of the highest hitting science journals a few years ago for an article about alternative careers for neuroscientists, because the regular career is, you know, stay in a lab and do research for the rest of your your life. And because I was a medical doctor, I, I went into clinical practice. But then I shifted career and I started a coaching consultancy. Now, coaching is always about someone's brain, obviously. 
Um, but using the ideas of neuroplasticity to really help people create sustainable new habits was, was exciting. Um, and then I wrote my book, The Source, which merges science and spirituality. So that was the big leap for me. Um, it's about abundant thinking and manifesting the things that you want in your life. And it was only really on another podcast just after it came out in the US that the guy said to me, you know, you're a professor at MIT or medical doctor scientist. Didn't you think it was a risk writing a book about spirituality? And I sort of realized then that, yeah, he's right. It probably was. But, uh, you know, my, my major career change and writing that book were what I think of as the biggest risk for me as a person would have been not doing those things because I would have had just such a boring life. Mm. Um, so, and, and the reward of that really was that writing the book obviously really brought those two things together for me, the science and the spirituality, which personally I'd struggled with. I would see myself professionally as a doctor and a scientist, and then I would do my yoga and you know, look into more spiritual things in my personal life. But the response to the book from people that I didn't know, you know, just like thousands of messages on Instagram and stuff, that really made me think, wow, this is a thing. This is appealing to people. It's helping people. It's changing their lives. And that has really allowed me to, to go down that road more than I would have previously. Yeah, because I suppose you, you believe in the law of attraction. It's, it's something I believe in quite a lot. So. Obviously, for anyone who doesn't, um, that's the, the belief in that a positive or negative experience can dictate your thoughts, can dictate how, how your life pans out if you have negative thoughts, right? So do you believe in the law of attraction as a, as a person, not a doctor, or both? As a person, I definitely already did, but I wouldn't have brought it into my work. But you've actually um, sort of asked these questions really cleverly because... What I began to understand the more I looked into it was that neuroplasticity underlies the law of attraction. Now, that was taking two completely different things that hadn't really, you know, like never the twain should, should meet and understanding that actually they're, all, they're almost the same thing, wow. that neuroplasticity works for good or bad. So if you have a recurring negative thought, there's a Buddhist philosophy that says, you know, replace negative thoughts with positive thoughts. Now, if you understand neuroplasticity, you could understand that if you repeated that enough, you could make your natural thought pattern more positive. Now, we've got to be careful because you can't just go around being positive about everything. You can't overturn all of your negative thoughts into like delusional phrases. Thank God you said that, really, honestly, because I'm having, I'm having one of those days I can kick a cat and I love cats. Do you know what I mean? But, but I'm having, like, you can't be positive all the time, can you? No, and it's, I mean, the, you know, the gearing of the brain is to be more negative because that was our survival mechanism. And it's almost like it's cool or it's expected for you. You know, if someone says, how are you? You'd say, oh, not too bad, you know, struggling on and not to sort of boast about the good things. Um, but what you want to do is not kind of say, you know, no, I'm not having a bad day. I'm feeling great today. But to say, you know what? Sometimes I have a bad day. Usually it only lasts for a day. I'll be all right. I'll let myself feel these emotions. That's what I mean about kind of tweaking that thought. And let's say you have a bad day like this, I don't know, two or three times a year. And you start telling yourself, it's okay to have the odd bad day. I'll just be miserable for a day. I'll kick a cat if I see one. <laughs> um, then 
the next time you have a bad day, your brain will say, oh yeah, this happened before, lasted for a day, and then I was back to normal again, so that's okay, I can wear that. Does the, does the law of attraction actually work? So the law of attraction is basically that, I want to be careful how I say this, because I don't necessarily agree with some of the definitions, but basically it's sort of, it's out there as if like, you know, the things that you think about will come into your life. But it was always explained by quantum science and I always thought if it's to do with how you think, then it should be based on cognitive science, like neuroscience and psychology. So I looked into that and basically your brain is so overloaded with information all the time that you naturally filter things out. And all we're really doing by using the law of attraction is choosing what we filter out and what we keep in so that we're more likely to notice and grasp opportunities that otherwise might have passed us by. So it's like priming your brain. It's just being ready, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, basically being ready and on the lookout. It's knowing what you want, and then it's being ready and open to it. So it's, mm. it's actually that simple. No one can really say that that doesn't work. But obviously, the whole idea of like, visualize, you know, I don't know, a private jet, and then sit at home and do nothing, and that could come true. I don't agree with that. I agree with, you, with using your brain power to um, move yourself closer towards the things that you want. Well, I suppose I suppose the question kind of for me then sometimes is could or could my fears or worries block me from getting what I want? Do you know what I mean by that? Can I can I create a wall of fear mm. from, you know, visualizing bad things? Uh, will, will that have the same effect? It's been a really big criticism of the laws of attraction and manifestation that like, you know, if you get ill, that that was created by your negative thoughts. So. I, I was very careful to make it clear that I, I don't think that at all, and that's not backed up by science. However, there is some truth to what you said, because those fears and thoughts that we have, underneath them are subconscious beliefs about ourselves. Now, if you and I believe that we don't deserve certain things, then our thoughts are going to be aligned to that belief, and we're not going to take action to try to get something that deep down we don't feel that we deserve. So although you can't attract negativity or illness into your life, you can block yourself from getting things that perhaps you're capable of, but for all sorts of childhood reasons, you might have it in your mind that that's not for you. See, when you talk there now, you, you could be lighting incense and you could be one of my, one of my daughter's friends coming around and preaching to me about you know meditation, but you're also, well, how does science is? I suppose that's what I'm asking. How does science support is the, the, the support these beliefs? Well, let's start with meditation, since you mentioned that. You know, I remember a time where I people were starting to say, you know, one day meditation will be like going to the gym, and I've seen that happen in the last ten years. It's quite incredible. There were times where I thought I can't go to a hedge fund or a private bank and talk about meditation. Actually. The evidence from science is so strong that now it's always part of any sort of, you know, keynote lecture that I give. So when we meditate, we see that levels of the stress hormone cortisol go down. We see that people go into a brainwave state with gamma and alpha waves, and it's a state of relaxed alertness that you don't get when you're asleep or when you're really task focused. Over time, like two to three months, we actually get increased thickening of the outer cortex of the brain, which allows us to regulate our emotions better. So, and, and you know, there are studies in the US Marines, like you know, t supposedly the toughest guys in the world, 
finding that they're more resilient on the battlefield if they practice meditation regularly prior to going into battle. And so there you see already <clears throat> another connection, which is that if you regularly meditate, you're more able to, reg to regulate your emotions. Now, these emotions tend to be fear, anger, shame, sadness. So you can see how they would be aligned to some of those subconscious beliefs about low self-worth. Mm. Or I shouldn't apply for that promotion because, you know, then my peers might not like me anymore. Or I'll be so embarrassed if I apply for it and they don't get it. Mm. You know, those, those things are connected. So what the science does say about the laws of attraction is that the more you think about something, the more you reinforce that pathway in your brain, you strengthen that. And the brain is energy efficient, so it uses the pathway of least resistance. So if every day you wake up and tell yourself, you know, I'll never get to be, I'll never get my podcast to be as successful as, you know, what I always hoped it would be when I was a teenager, one of your daughter's friends starts up a podcast, has no fear, you know, believes that the world is a kind place and people will help mm. her and she reaches out to a few A-list celebrities and they think she's sweet. So they say yes, she could achieve like massive success. So, so we, you know, we really are limited by what we believe about ourselves. It's an energy nearly you get off people sometimes. It's funny, I work, I'd like, I'm, I'm surrounded by very positive people, John John and Mahi and people like that. And I, I'm very like that as well. I have a very blind belief in myself, but I think I've also proven things to myself along the way, which make it easier, do you know? But that thickening of the cortex, that's amazing. That, that, that when you said there, that it, it gives you more control over your emotions. Is that why some people are quite, like not no, no pun, but the Zen kind of where they're just very calm all the time. Is that what that's from? Yeah, so basically your emotions come from deep inside your brain in the limbic system, from particularly from a part of the brain called the amygdala. And the, the frontal cortex regulates impulses that come from that part of the brain. So, you know, we can all feel frightened if we see a dog running towards us, but there's a part of the brain and, and it depends how quickly this part of the brain kicks in that will say he's probably just being friendly rather than, oh, my goodness, that dog's going to bite me in, you know, three seconds kind of thing. So, mm. so the thicker the cortex, the better able it is to regulate those emotions. I and mean, it does depend on other things like the level of stress hormone, for example. So, again, that's related to things like meditation. If you keep your stress hormone levels down more of the time then you're less likely to have these fright, flight, fight responses to things. And you're more likely to think, okay, here's a challenge. I can rise to meet this challenge. I have the tools and skills to, to meet that challenge. Tell me this, Tara, what tools do we, does a person need for manifestation and visualization to be actually effective? So, okay, I'll start with visualization. So with visualization, there are actually some people that can't do it. So, you know, there is a very rare neurological disorder where you can't visualize. And for people like that, I say, create a soundtrack of success or, um, you know, use what I call an action board, which is like a collage of pictures of what you want. But the visualization piece where, where the sort of twist is, is that you must conjure up this image in your mind and you must believe that it has already come true. And if you think about all the really clever questions that you've already asked me about regulating emotions, about our subconscious beliefs, about neuroplasticity, if you tell your brain that has already come true, you'll act as if it's come true. You'll take risks that you might not have taken 
if you really deep down believed that that was never going to happen for you. And then with manifestation, the method that I um, describe in my book and talk about is creating this action board. So you look for images, literal or metaphorical, that represent what you want in your life or you want your life to feel like. You stick them down on a board and you know, it matters things like the position of where they are and whether they're connected or separate and whether there's space on it or it's, you know, completely full. And you look at that board every day and you visualize it being true. So those are the sort of three steps. Um, and I've been doing that myself for 12 years. Yeah. How effective has it been for you? You're smart. Very effective. <laughs> Very effective. <laughs> when you were a kid, did you play Tetris on your Game Boy in yes. bed? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we all did. And then, so when you closed, do you remember when you closed your eyes, you could still see the bricks falling yeah. down behind your closed yeah, eyes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has now been created into a, and a recognized psychological phenomenon, which is that the last thing you look at just before you fall asleep or in that state from being awake to falling asleep, um, that has a very strong priming effect on your subconscious. So the action boards that I mentioned before, it's a good idea to keep it by your bed so that you look at it last thing at night. And then the visualization element is, it's actually not just visualization, it's to do with sensory integration. So you would imagine yourself sometime in the future, in the life that you really want with, you know, whatever you've identified that you really want. And you would basically, um, you know, in your mind's eye, look around and see what does it look like? Then you would ask yourself, what does it feel like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? And you bring all of your senses in because then you're priming your brain in five different areas to recognize the feeling of success. And also because you've seen it, smelt it, tasted it, felt it, heard it, you're more likely to notice in your real life any cues from any of those five senses that might mean, you know, a networking opportunity or a dating opportunity or, um, you know, a house uh, flat buying opportunity, mm. that sort of thing, that you're just much more, like you said, ready. I love that word, actually. Yeah. It's like I'm ready for the things that I want, really want in my life. I, I don't have a vision board, but I, do, I write little notes to myself and I have little, I draw little pictures around that I can look at. But I, I should commit properly to a vision board, but I'm just conscious of people coming into my room and looking at my vision board because I want to keep it private and there's a lot of people coming and going in my house. You can keep it private. You can take a photo of it and have it as your screensaver or just keep it in the photo section of your phone or you can put it on the inside of your wardrobe door in your bedroom or something. I assume not too many people yeah, look in there. You'd be surprised, um, but, but yeah, yeah. But not in a good way, not in a good way. Um, <laughs> Tell me this though, just as you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, so how dangerous is it then for someone, can someone implant negative images on you? Like, you know, these kind of toxic people or, or is, is that, should that have no effect on your vision of yourself and what you want? I mean, I think it's a really basic level. You're perhaps talking about jealousy or envy or, you know, people just not supporting you or wanting the best for you. What we have to remember about that is, and there's a phrase that comes to mind, is like, you know, jealousy or anger or toxicity, whatever it is, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. People who spend their time wishing that you don't do well are increasing their stress levels, increasing levels of the hormone cortisol and causing their own immune system and body damage. It's not actually doing anything to you. It's obviously not nice when you become aware that somebody doesn't really want to see you do well. But 
you have to make your decision about how you cope with that. Either keep your distance from those sorts of people or, you know, I remember when I made my career change and it wasn't because people didn't want to see me do well. They probably didn't think I would do well. Um, You know, really senior um, HR director said to me, why would I ever choose to hire you who, you know, has no business experience and it it was relatively young at the time compared to some retired CEO who, you know, knows everything that I need to know and has, you know, years of experience and experience of coaching. And I just, I felt like crying, but I looked at him and said, I think somebody will choose to hire me and I'm, I'm going to go out there and, and try to make that happen. And so sometimes you don't have to like completely cut off people that say things like that, but you can say, I think I can do it. I think yeah. I will. You know, and, and actually, when you do, you know, you talked about remembering some of your own past successes and things. But when you go ahead and do something like that, that people didn't believe you could, it's actually really inspiring for them as well. Yeah, it's very powerful. It's very powerful. You're very polite. I just said I'm Dr. Dr. Tara, go fuck yourself. Like I would have, I'd have had none of that. I wouldn't have <laughs> let them, I wouldn't have let him away with that at all. Listen, uh, tell me this, what are the major, I suppose, myths, myths, I'm Irish so I can't pronounce TH. What's the major myths with, with manifestation? A major one is something that we've touched on already, which is that you can create this sort of fantasy of what you want your life to look like and just sit at home and wait for it to come true because it's just the power of your thoughts. Um, I think that is so wrong and that even to feel good about yourself as a person, you would want to know that you did something to make that come true. It wasn't just pure chance because actually if it's, if it, even if it's good luck, it's like life's happening to you. You're not managing what's happening. So it's, you know, I think that's a big myth. Um, I think another one is the one that you mentioned, which is that, you know, if you ever have a bad day, that you're, you can bring negative things into your life. There are quite a few manifestation myths. I'm actually doing a weekly manifestation myth busting on my Instagram. And those are the two that I've talked about so far. So I shall have to I'm just giving come you up a with follow. another one. I'm just giving you a follow. That sounds great. Tell me this. Is there ways to optimize the, optimize the power of the brain? Are there, are there guidelines that you suggest? Yeah. So there's a lot of things. Um, and, you know, I've gradually brought these things into my life more and more over the last 10, 12 years since I've known more about neuroplasticity. So... The first five are all physical things. You can't expect your brain to perform really well if it's not resourced in the way that it needs to be. And that means, you know, about eight hours of sleep every night, eating really brain healthy food, like food high in fats, like oily fish, avocado, nuts and seeds, drinking enough water. The formula is half a liter of water for every 15 kilos of your body weight per day. Um, You know, we know that it affects things like your focus and memory and concentration just being dehydrated but imagine you're trying to manifest and you're dehydrated you know it's just not it's like trying to drive a ferrari but not topping out with water i've heard people talking about fasting sharpening the 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 brain processes is that is that right yes it is right so time restricted eating or intermittent fasting they have benefits for the brain and also for your longevity so they're good for your health unfortunately they're forms of stress inoculation. So starvation is a form of stress, but then you always eat normally the next day. For example, if you do the 5-2 diet where you severely restrict your calories on two days of the week. And so although I have practiced it in the past, I have actually advised people not to practice it during the pandemic because we're already under chronic stress. And so doing something that 
improves your resilience long term but causes you stress in the short term, this isn't a good time to be doing that. So I do time-restricted eating. I only eat between 12 noon and 8 p.m., but I've been doing that for a very long time, so it wasn't a new thing for me. Yeah. Um, and actually, at a particularly stressful part of the pandemic, I went back to eating breakfast because I just I didn't want my body to be in that starvation mode and feel like, you know, that there weren't resources out there. Yeah. So just going back to the priming, uh, so, you know, optimizing your brain. Yeah. Um, breathing deeply, because again, when we're stressed, we breathe in a rapid, shallow way and, and not being sedentary. And of course, you know, ideally doing 10,000 steps a day and doing some aerobic exercise. And then the final one is meditation, which we've already spoken about. Over and above that, if you take on some form of new learning, I do it once a year, then you're actually keeping your brain flexible even as you age. And the two best things you can do for your brain are learn a new language or learn a musical instrument. Because I was going to ask, me and John John were talking about this. You know the way everyone's obsessed about going to the gym? It's it's just grown into such a huge industry. And then I was doing like, is there a brain gym? But you've just kind of answered that. Is, is, is that the best thing to do? John John's going to take up... What would you like to take up, John John? Origami is the... Origami. I'm not sure that's a language. I think that's turning things into paper, isn't it? You have to pick a language. <laughs> no, no, origami would count. Anything that's attention intense enough to change your brain. So something that you're not used to doing, you're not good at, that's going to take you effort. So people say, you know, crosswords and Sudoku. If, if you do them regularly it's probably not enough to change your brain. But let's say you're good with, with words and, you mm. you know, I like doing crosswords. I find Sudoku harder. So if I switched over, that could be a good test for me. And then I always say things like traveling, meeting new and different people who've had a different background to you, even eating food that you've never tried before. Novelty, basically, is, is, um, is good for your brain. I, I met a tribe in northern Ethiopia and they didn't know what age they were. They've no they've no concept of time, you know, so they they get up when it's bright and they go mm. to bed when it gets dark and, and they don't celebrate birthdays, so they don't really mm. know what age they are. They're just and I always wondered, does that a can I keep my brain young? Because I suppose the question was if you didn't know what age you are, what age would you be? Um I'm just going to tease you, Baz, and say that if I had to guess your age, if you didn't know what age you were, it'd probably be like six. Oddly enough, it's 46, so you're only a couple of years out. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I have a very childish attitude, but I, I feel like it keeps me buoyant. It keeps me energetic. It keeps me feeling young. I have young children as well, so they, they have an effect on you as well, you know. Let me tell you about my favourite experiments, because, you know, I come from a culture where age and wisdom is completely revered. So I have never had that kind of more Western idea about, oh, you know, I shouldn't age and all that sort of thing. So I've been very lucky in that respect. Um, so there's this beautiful experiment done on three groups of people in their 80s. One group for the control group, so they just lived like normal for a week. One group reminisced about being 20 years younger for a week. And the third group were moved into houses that were retrofitted to look like their house did 20 years ago. They had to have photos of themselves from 20 years ago in that house for a week. If they didn't use the same visual or walking aids, they were taken away from them for a week. And they were given newspapers that had like the date from 20 years ago, and they had to talk as if that was current, current time. At the end of one week, that group, this just still blows my mind, they were taller. They were taller, did you say? 
<laughs> they were taller. Yeah, they were taller. They were stronger. When people who didn't know them rated before and after photos from the week, they rated them all as younger from after the week than they were before they went oh into the God. house. They had better musculoskeletal coordination. They had improved visual acuity. Um, even the reminiscing group had some improvements, but the group that lived like that for a week, they had like, you know, because basically they stood up straight and that's yeah. where they were taller. You see, I, I, and I wouldn't mind, they were 80. You only brought them back to being 60. You should have brought them back to being 30. They would have, they would have been pole vaulting out of the place. Like, that's amazing though, isn't it? Yeah, it's so cool. I did a show with my mum and honestly, like we traveled the world doing all these crazy stunts and all these crazy things. But I think the energy of just being even around younger people and doing crazy things, like doing like skydives and, you know, driving Jeeps and tanks and doing all, having fun. I, I, man, it took like 30 years off her. I swear to God, it really did. It's amazing. They got taller. My God, should send you in there, Mahi. That's what. <laughs> Mahi's only little, but she, but she, <laughs> you know, there we go. Um, how could you manifest a relationship or a job of the life you want? You know, do you know what I mean, Bra? Well, okay, let me tell you the story. <laughs> so, like I said, I started doing these action boards. I unfortunately got divorced um, around the time of my career change, around two, 2007, eight, And then I started doing the vision boards or action boards. And it was all about work, you know, I was going through a career change. So it was all about growing my business and traveling to other countries and getting to work with you know, certain types of companies and growing, you know, growing my own practice into a fully recognized business. So all of that went along really nicely for quite a few years. And then I realized that I was overworking and, you know, traveling a lot. And it was kind of to escape the fact that I hadn't really moved on, you know, ready to, to love someone again. And so in, for my board for 2015, I had all the business and the travel and I put a tiny heart on the board. And towards the end of 2015, I thought I didn't really mean that. I didn't really like open myself up for, to, for love to happen. So yeah. I thought, okay, I'm really going to go for it this year. I believe in these vision boards. And I was looking through the Financial Times and I just saw this picture of an enormous engagement ring. And I thought, okay, there's no commitment like putting an engagement ring on my vision board, okay? So I put it top left because you wear your engagement ring on your left hand. And then I found some other images, like they were kind of housey things, but it was more because I was living in a tiny flat and I just wanted more room to like, you know, be social with my friends because I was intending to not sort of work and travel so much. And then I saw this phrase on an advert, joy comes out of the blue. And I don't normally put words on my board, but I just really, really resonated with me. So I thought there's a reason. So I put that top center. That was December, 2015. I was making that board for 2016. On the 2nd of February, I was flying back from a business trip in Johannesburg to London. And the man that sat next to me on the plane is now my husband. Oh, that was obviously wow. five years ago. And that year he proposed to me and I've got a pretty nice engagement ring. Oh so, um, what was the ring like? Nice. It was like, 
Because like, imagine the rock you cut out of a magazine if you thought that's a nice engagement drink. I was thinking if he sees that, he'll be, he'll be jumping on a flight home. Oh, it's a lovely ring. You're showing it to be there. It's gorgeous. My God. Well done, you. <laughs> Jesus, I'd, I'd have married him. I'd have married him if you gave me a ring like that. I know. That's brilliant. God, that, isn't that amazing? You see, the cynics out there, this is the thing, Tara, the cynics out there be all like, oh, that's just planting it in your head. But what does it matter if it happened? Isn't that the whole point of it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's so that amazing. was good. Um, and then, you know, I started them around the time of changing career. So I would put specific amounts of money on it for the first three years. And, you know, I, the first time a friend kind of pushed me to put twice what I had, was going to put on. I said, you know, this is how much money I need to earn to just like, you know, live and pay the bills. And she said, I put double. And I was like, well, that's actually ridiculous because it's not possible for me to make that much money in the first year of running my business. But maybe if I put a higher number, I'll, I'll make more than just what I need. I made exactly double of what I had intended to oh, in the first man. year. And then I doubled it for the first three years. Yeah. And then I got a mentor um, and, you know, really grew the business. So I would say in answer to your question, how do you manifest the career that you want or the relationship that you want? I would say make an action board because it definitely worked for me. Just so I know, where, what did you make your action board out of? Where do you, what do you put on it? Where do you get it and where do you hide it? Do you hide it or is it there for everyone to see? When I lived in my small flat, it was there for everyone. Well, it was in the bathroom. So anybody that came in, you know, and stayed long enough to use the bathroom could see it. And that had, you know, specific numbers for money on it. So that's not the kind of thing people usually really talk about or advertise. Um, but... I'm a very private person, so I only really would let good friends into my apartment. And so they were people who would champion me, who would want to see me do those things, who would come to me with opportunities for things that maybe they'd seen on my board. The one from 2016 is next to our bed in our bedroom, because to me, that was the pinnacle of, you know, kind of just kind of being so happy and getting everything that I wanted personally. Um, the weird thing about that is that my husband was renovating a house that year which wasn't completed till the following year. And when it was completed, you know, I said there were like some housey images because I wanted to entertain friends and stuff. Yeah. My husband actually said to me, that looks like our new house. And it, it literally like the pictures that were on my board before I met him look like the house that we live in now. And I had a tiger and a rhino at the bottom of it because I really care about conservation. Yeah. And when we got married, which was a year later, because we're both like older, we've been married before and stuff, we didn't need any like presents. So we both chose a couple of charities and I chose a conservation charity. So literally every single thing on that board, right. not necessarily in that first year, but over a period of two years, um, mostly came true. And then like when I wrote my book and we were going through, the, you're selling the international rights, I kept sort of coming up with these, like, have you tried this country? Have you tried that country? What's happening about the USA? I mean, I was so pushy. I think I probably, like, at first I was like, I'm probably annoying them. But that's me. You know, I don't just sit back and, like, wait for things to happen. I'm always, like, trying to learn more and do more. And eventually, the head of international rights had a vision board on her door, and it had this list of countries, and then they kept ticking it off. And people were like, it became a thing in the office building. People would walk past and be like, Wow, Tara Swart's got 24 translations. Wow, Tara Swart's got 36 translations. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's so brilliant. Um, I, I'm like, I don't want to overly touch on this, but I, I or overly talk about it because I'm trying to get away from pandemic each chat. But 
Has the pandemic impacted mm. our brain development in any way, do you think? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I think that's actually a really good question because a lot of people said to me, you know, my job basically doesn't exist anymore or, you know, I, there's so much uncertainty. How do I make a, an action board for this year? And so through that process of people asking me, me genuinely thinking about it, even mine is much more about how you want your life to feel rather than specific things. But in terms of impacting our brain, this chronic stress that we've been under, the stress hormone actually, it damages cells in our body. It damages brain cells, it damages our immune cells. Um, and what I've really noticed is just the lack of mental stimulation from having no variety. You know, it's a bit like Groundhog Day if you're locked down. That's not good for our brains. And of course, I really have felt so strongly more than ever before and just a compassion for people who've been through this on their own because we were not meant to be on our own as a species. We are tribal. So loneliness is actually, it's as bad for you as being sedentary or smoking. And for some people, that's been a really big part of, of the last year. Even just the lack of physical affection, it changes hormones in our body. There's a bonding hormone called oxytocin, which you'll recognize because like when you become a dad, you feel this like huge, warm, like sort of gushy on the inside. They drain it out of you. Do they like everything else? yes it's definitely affected our brains and there's been a lot of anxiety and stress and now well you know like i said to you actually just before we we started i've been the demand for mental health help has been massive and it's a real concern so just to walk away right for anyone listening i'm really inspired by what you said because because you know what it is i i believe in 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 positive having a positive attitude and working hard towards it and using all your energy as well as your goodwill do you get me i think that's the most important thing you said is just you know you're not sitting there just going oh come to me world and give me everything i want you're going out and looking for it but you're also manifesting it and that makes a lot of sense and the fact that it's backed up and i love all that about thickening the cortex and everything but if i want to or if someone wants to just take care of their brain in the best way possible, you know, to utilize their brain as, as, as best as they can. Mm. What are your top tips? What, what would your top tips be? So, you know, I talked about all those physical foundations of, of good health for your brain and your body. But my top tip would be try to be as healthy as you can, but don't stress about it because it's the stress that actually kills you in the end. So reducing stress in your life and just bringing moments of mindfulness into your life so i used to do a lot of yoga especially when we could go to actual classes Um, i used to do formal meditation now i incorporate it much more into my life like mindful eating paying proper attention to loved ones mindful walking appreciating nature it's mindful eating just being really in tune with myself Ah, that's just brilliant i just think you're great dr dr tara that was that was fascinating chat (laughs) That was a really fascinating chat. And I'm so, I, I like the way you live. You, you do it all. You live it, don't you? I feel very lucky that I have had access to the neuroscience and been able to bring these things into my life for a lot longer than since they've become more mainstream. Um, but yeah, I also live it by taking risks like changing career and stuff like that. So, you know, I do want to, to show that I live it because I think that's really important. Why do you think the source was so incredibly popular? I know why, but do you tell me why think, you think it affected people? <laughs> so what people said to me, who, like, who are personal friends, aren't scientists or anything, is that they've heard of things like the law of attraction and visualization before, 
And they've always thought, yeah, that's a good idea, but they've never actually done it. And it was the science that pushed them to actually do the things that, that we've all heard about before. And, and then I think, you know, I know that I poured my heart and soul into writing it. I was writing it every weekend for the first year of being married whilst working full time. And it does seem like, you know, I sort of thought, you know, if someone's from an ethnic minority or if someone's like a woman who's been through a similar story, they might really resonate. But for some reason, it's just resonated with so many different types of people. And I, I don't think I really know the answer, but I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I highly recommend you pick it up um, as a life changing book. Dr. Dr. Tara, 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 listen, thank you so, so much. It was so lovely to chat to you. Um, we really enjoyed it, didn't we, John John? Didn't we, Mahi? Yeah, 100%. Oh, John John's on mute. I'm sorry. It's not the same. Um, John, John John's asleep. <laughs> no, John John's not asleep. He's, he's making his vision board over there in the corner. You can see him. What do you call it? You don't call it a vision board. You call it something much cooler than that. I call it an action board because, you know, because I say you must do the things that, yeah. Um, Baz, you're so lovely and it's been so lovely to speak with you. And I do occasionally, when we're allowed to travel, come to Dublin um, one of my friends is the professor of neuroscience at Trinity College, so um, I'll let you know if I'm going to be over there. So you 100% do, and despite what he says, because he'll probably know me, still come and still meet me, because it would I would just absolutely love it. I think you're a really inspirational person. You're just amazing. I'm a big fan. I'm a big, big Can fan. Can you imagine? If I mention him to you, and then he's like, oh my goodness, don't He'll literally go, fuck that, that we're not going so near funny. that guy, and I'll, I'll be there, don't worry about it. Me and John, John and Mahi will be there to see you. We'd love that, we would absolutely love that. Um, thank you so much for your time, I really appreciate it, and I look forward to, I, I followed you on all your social media anyway, so I'm going to keep up to date with everything you're doing. Take care, bye-bye, Tara. Take care, all of you. Ah. Uh. See, my friend's a neuroscientist and she's going to come over and we're all going to have drinks. It's going to be great. Honestly, listen, like if you hang around with stupid people, they make you stupid. If you hang around with clever people, they make you a bit clever. This is what I'm saying to you. Reach out. Find new friends. Do you get me? That's probably why you haven't had an invite to Mykonos yet, isn't it? You need some gay friends. Man, I learned this years ago. Like I, when I was working on uh, um, uh, Hello, Can You Go with Mark. Mark opened my eyes to a whole new world. Bars filled with gay men and women. What? I was like, how would no one mind that before? It was, like, it was brilliant. Did I go on a tangent? Yeah, again. Again, I tangent. Okay, let me do sum up. Sum up, John John, what do we think about this? Um, what do I think? Right, I'll tell you. Sometimes we do the podcast, right? And I want to have a cool chat with someone. This week, I wanted you guys to understand something that I've accidentally done for many, many years now. And it, it was something I was kind of taught by my mum before it was trendy, before it was popular. The world is fucking mine, man. It's mine to reach out and take what I want, independent of whatever trajectory your friends or other people around you are moving in. Like... Forget being a prisoner to distraction and envy and negative emotions that are usually guarding you from some success and instead leave kind of your shackled self alone. You know what I mean? Because that's just jealousy and self-doubt and other bullshit. I honestly believe that manifestation is essentially the act 
of feeling something is mine and making it real. Like when I, if I'm to manifest something, I'm making it known to the universe that this thing, whether, I don't know, whether it's a dream or a job or a new car or a relationship or just a change that you really are aching for, that way it will be mine. You, you, you have to kind of stop stalling. I was like that for many years, kind of waiting for someone to help me or save me or whatever I felt like I was needing. But you don't need that. You don't need, you need to stop waiting for somebody to come and save you or to give you the break you need. You're already stacked with all the tools you need to manifest the things that you want. It's just you have to believe it. And by believing it and getting little wins, you start to actually believe your own manifestation. But that's 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 how it's worked for me. And sometimes you do it things with for me as well. Do, honestly, does it? Yeah. You have a vision board at home? I do have a vision board. See, I, I've I, seen it. I've seen it. Like, yeah. Have you? Yeah, see, yeah. See the way I do, we've never spoken about this before. But but it it's those little things that you think won't but it's just a constant little reminder every day of what your goal is. Do you know what someone said to me before and they said that they felt that it, people went off it because the secret and they said the secret is kind of the hairdresser's handbook to this. And then once people read that, they kind of disengaged from it. They then ah, it's all hairy fairy stuff. But there's more to it than that. There is, and I think a lot of it is is where where you set your brain. Like there was something we chatted about, which is being ready. Being ready for, for your success. You know, like like I'm not saying you manifest something, you put it on a vision board and do fuck all and it's going to come to you. I don't mean that. You propel yourself through your life. You do what you need to do. So when the opportunity comes, it, it, you're ready. You're ready for it. You're, you're ready to accept it. And by putting it out into the universe, a la Conor McGregor kind of stuff, where he yeah. just says the craziest shit in the world. But actually by putting it out into the universe the level of confidence and self-belief it, it's there's something to be said about it you know i'm not saying you should share all your deepest ambitions and dreams with people but jesus you need to share them with yourself you have to like like whether that's a vision board whether that's journaling whether that's taking time every day just to just to focus in the morning on what you want that day like little things i found in the past like you know if i wanted to go to the gym i'd write in a journal you know I, I want to go. I'd write it like a hundred times. Like, like if you found one of my notebooks, the missus found one one day, and she's like, "What the fuck is this thing?" It's like son of Sam. Like me just repeating, "I want to go to gym. I want to go to gym." I but, but by journaling it a hundred times, when one o'clock comes and it's time to go to the gym, you're more likely to do it because you just spent fucking twenty minutes writing a hundred times. I, I'm going to go to the gym. Just simple things. Do the best for you. Don't cheat yourself. Just believe in yourself you have to you, you start at the beginning that's a good start listen like preach all day good night i could indeed but listen preach. like like i i i just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who's been um uh subscribed to the podcast and listening in um we've been really happy with how it's gone and we're really excited by the amount of uh, new people listening and um, there's loads of episodes back there if you haven't checked them out they all date really well because they're you know they're uh, they're over a broad spectrum of things and um, if you're not subscribed you should be and um, we'd love if you could leave us a comment that would mean the world that's really special to us and um, five stars five, well. yeah you're all about the five stars yeah five stars whatever and um, if you want 
want to share it with people if you want to follow us uh, you can follow me on Instagram at B Ashmawi or you can get me on Twitter at Baz Ashmawi or in any of these other places uh, until then end of season 2 listen look from myself John John and my listen all, all the best and good luck in the cup